Are there parts of motherhood that did not come naturally? Do you feel overwhelmed? Are there secrets you wish you knew in advance about the motherhood journey? Could you use a place to cope with motherhood, laugh your woes away, and lighten the mommy guilt? Welcome to Toward, finding a mom life balance. Welcome back to Torn, Finding a Mom Life Balance Beyond the Guilt. When Athena and I found a memoir by the title of our podcast, we were instantly drawn to discussing torn true stories of kids, career, and the conflicts of modern motherhood by Samantha Parent Walravens. So on today's episode, what we're going to do, instead of just digging into the book and doing a typical book club fashion, we're actually going to tie it back and just say the themes that we noticed that were prominent across this myriad of women, because it was tons of women that she interviewed or got written pieces from, um, and kind of tie it back to some of the feelings that we've been feeling. So memes, as I read through this book, I couldn't help but say, amen, hallelujah, I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, the other part is so funny enough that we find this book with our title, right? We're going through and it's like, what's a good title? What are things that are not overused of parenting? And then boom, we, this falls in our lap. And then that it's over 20 years ago. And so many of the issues resonate today. Same things. Do I stay home? Do I go to work? Am I a good parent? What's, um, what are people going to say? How is this going to work out? What is my kid going to remember? Are they going to need therapy? Right? Like all yeah. the things we all think and at different phases. Right. And so we started noticing trends, no matter what the difference were, if they were career, if they opted to stay home along, because it seemed like the trend was that it was a process to decide which one was the path for you once you became a parent. You might have thought one thing, you might have yeah. had a model of a different thing, but all these moms definitely had to come to another conclusion once they were like living in it. Yeah, so that was one trend. They were all women perspectives, um, this torn book. The other thing that I noticed is the demographics. The demographics varied. Like some of them were privileged people. A lot of them were Ivy League students, you know, graduates. Um, some of them in journalism, some of them in the medical field, some of them lawyers, some of them just writers. And then the stay-at-home mom um, scenario as well. Some of them became moms by decision and planning. Some of them became moms by complete surprise. Mm -hmm. um, I really also appreciated um, the military mom or the military family dynamic, the, the, the transitions, the moving, torn tribe support, you know. Um, I thought that was a perspective that sometimes we, in, you know, lay people can just kind of, overlook and well, it's so tumultuous right so yeah. there's so many changes to begin with and you're adding parenting and you're adding this layer of guilt and responsibility when it's pretty high stakes when you're out there for the military yeah and i think the military often gets overlooked in many different sectors like even now as we're celebrating like hispanic heritage month and latinx heritage um, one of the things that came up in a call that I was on was talking about other social determinants of health and like other ways of dissecting 
the population and military or veterans came up and that's often overlooked population. So I thought it was pretty neat that she actually managed to get a testimony from a military mother. And several perspectives. One of them was married to someone in the service. Um, the yeah, like I just think it. And one was that actually serving in the service. Exactly. Exactly. And then um, Mm -hmm. I think the other part that I really appreciated was, um, and it was through our debrief that it really stood out was like that the these decisions made the mom seem very isolated. So. One of the voices I I was unpacking with Athena as we were talking about our reads was this note. It was probably the story that stood out the most to me because there was this ongoing note that would cut into the narrative of what was happening in this mom's life. And I couldn't tell who she was writing it to or who it was for or if it was in a journal, but it always was like listing. Like we have to make sure you know, we remember this, no nanny this day or school is a half day that day. And it always ended with like, and buy a tub of Haagen-Dazs or buy her favorite flavor of ice cream. But in some of the passages, you were almost like, is this a note left for her partner? Is this a note left for a nanny, a grandparent? Is it for herself? Mm -hmm. Is it the way she goes back to her notes about her life back then and pieces it together? And it just had this ominous feeling of the solitude that I think in all these decisions, no matter who we talk to, whose advice we get, it really is this quiet time in ourselves where we have to like decide what really matters. And so I think we were also noting that it was big transition. So if it was after the three weeks, three months, six months, a year, a transition, and I'm going to go back to work in the, I thought I wanted to be here all the time, but I definitely need to be around <laughs> other people. So I think I'm going to go back to work or just a requirement in the family for income or whatever was the um, impetus to transition from, you know, the just brought a baby home, our family grew or is changing. Um, was this transition period that really brought on these voices. Um, and then it was, I planned the call and the baby was quiet and then I'm hiding and pulling the wire into the bathroom and trying to make, but as soon as I got on this call, you know, and then in our day, thinking about how much remote like exposed us, you could definitely relate to like, no matter what you thought you thought of and you anticipated, you were always wrong. Like, you yeah. know, not only does the cat cross the screen, the kid comes and brings you something embarrassing and, you know, at the wrong time. Um, So you got lots of those anecdotes of what was causing people anxiety and hesitation about how prepared they were to be back at the working, in the working world. Um, But I think it's interesting because you mentioned that this was written like 20 years ago. And no matter how much technology has advanced and no matter how much like we have more things to make people more accessible to us, parenting or at least from a woman's perspective motherhood has not evolved <laughs> like, you're exposed you make this choice and your whole life is exposed <laughs> yeah it, it hasn't really evolved because from the stains on your shirt to the wrinkles to like the grease on you by the time you make it home that you've lived like half a day before you even walk into your workplace like all of those none of that has changed for moms <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting because the isolation is so real. Like each of these women, like I finished reading the entire book and I'm like, I can't. There were very small tidbits about their other relationships. It was either anger, (laughs) uh, complacentness, 
or complete absence. Um, and so these women either had partners that were 100% supportive of them, whatever decision they made, or they had a partner that was angry about the decision that they made, or they were having it to do it as single moms because they were either divorced or abandoned or whatever the case was. Um, but that isolation in thought life, I thought was pretty evident because all of these memoirs are written articles by all these women, they're written submissions. Um, and so a lot of the women, it's their thought life that you're getting to actually see. And a lot of the thoughts that we have, right? Like, am I enough? 20 years ago, moms were still thinking that, even though they weren't always asked to be the sole pri provider of the family or contribute to the family's provisions financially, they still felt like they weren't enough. Even stay-at-home moms had the same thought, like, am I making the right meal for my kid when they get home from school? And as they become teenagers, am I showing up in the right places? So that struggle of not feeling enough, having to make the decisions on your own feeling alone and also um, the like can i really be saying this you heard the pull yeah. the torn emotion and you asked so i'm telling you this and it's this guilty like please don't judge me apologetic tone to admitting at the root of everything like feeling like i didn't want to be home or i needed to be at work or i will accept missing this or I didn't want, or I sat and cried because I missed this other thing. Um, yeah, you saw that in some of their closings of their letters, like you would see the true and ugly. And then as they were coming to their conclusion, they had to button it up and say, but I enjoy my family and I love them. And they're the best decision I ever made. You're like, wait a minute, is that true? Because based on everything else that you have, but it could be true. And, I, and I then it's so writing. timely, right? Because the conversation, when you think about the decade the book is released, there still isn't this platform for like equality. Um, and then even when women are contributing so much in raising the kids and being there, still when the conversation starts, it's mostly out of like necessity, like women are going to work so households can have more and all these other things. But we don't ever really feel like we're getting this acceptance of you are both these things. It's actually pitched as like, you can have it all. You can do it there and do it. And not, it wouldn't shift at all, right? Yeah. Initially, it's like, it's like when I think about coming home later and our schedule is really different this year, when I think about missing, like dinner happened without me, but I'll like run through the door and not change my clothes and go do tuck-in. And I think about this generation where like, for the most part, dads walked in and didn't do any of those things. So yeah. regardless of what the mom was doing, it was like, you're doing everything outside, you're doing everything inside and it doesn't shift. So I think part of that apologetic tone is this idea that like, you know, the reason we have our platform, like people didn't want to hear those things, weren't accepting, were very judgmental and didn't really welcome the like, just kind of throw another thing on your back and deal with it, carry carry your, your burden, your emotion. It's like such yeah. a wonderful thing. You shouldn't dare to have any qualms about what you're living through and all the responsibility pretty pretty much fell on you know based on gender um i, I think would, i i would also say she did a good job of capturing our crazy 
Like there was certain certain moms. I was like, yeah, I'm that mom showing up in the PJs at my husband's job because the car broke down and I had to walk here. Like there was a mom that got locked out of her house after dropping the kid off at the bus stop. And it's just stuff that happens on a crazy day where everything flips upside down and you're like, what in the world? How did I end up here? And why do I look like this? But I think she did a good job of like capturing every emotion, thought, and even circumstance that you find yourself in once you become a parent. And the things you end up having in common, um, I remember very clearly the image of like, we were going to be late and we ended up going all the wrong ways and the madness of how deep you go in when you spiral and you're just like, I already made this turn. We don't know where we're going. We're going to make it a joy. We're just going to embrace that we're playing hooky and late and not going to school. And we're going to embrace what we're seeing out here. Maybe, I think she might've said a snowy day or something like that. Yeah. Um, but also the, the getting it together, like everything felt and it was palpable and so relatable and the time in cars. Like, I think even mentioning like, that's your solitude or that you're just hustling yeah. and doing the soccer mom transport person, right? Either in the morning, in the evening, taking kids. And that's so such a common language for us moms and the primary parent um, in the running around based on the schedule, right? And that's like, without judgment, it's like the number of things you do are, you know, by first thing in the morning, yeah the things you have to keep in mind, preparation, thinking in advance, anticipating things. And you're always feeling like, well, you just felt that in so many stories. And then you get to this kind of climax where diff divergent results, but it's this like decision that this is the path I'm taking and I'm embracing it. And then I'm, you know, like this is where it all changed. And I yeah. think, that was empowering because it was these different notions of like, I needed the work. I need, I decided being home. Um, I had to accept I was going to miss things. Or I had to accept these were the things I would miss, but this other thing wouldn't get the best of me if I had to miss these other important events. And, you know, we just discussed that that's kind of like how we get beyond the guilt that this really taking charge and making a decision yeah. kind of living in the decision that we make definitely helps us get beyond the guilt. Yeah, and I think another thing she highlighted, which I didn't know, and this might be just because of my age or maybe because I live under a rock sometimes, um, but this notion of the opt-out mentality. At the beginning of the book, it seemed like the tone of the opt-out was negative, right? Like that the women were choosing to opt out of their careers, become stay-at-home moms, and therefore foregoing salary increases and taking an impact on their career. But by the end of the book, I realized her stance was kind of not biased towards either one. It kind of put a positive light on opting out because getting beyond that guilt, like moving to that other side, was choosing to opt out and be okay with that. And just noticing like the pros and the cons. So That's each mom that talked about it, <clears throat> I thought it was pretty interesting because they were talking about like the things that they opted out of in their career, but that also meant they opted in in their child's life or in their family's life and then even in their own interest um, because they chose to pause one thing and be focused in one area. And I think it just like highlights that where choice lands for parenting, right? Like 
from the time you're deciding or getting surprised and embracing that your life is changing and you're becoming a parent, it's all about choice. And I think as individuals, we would like to feel that we're like signing in, leaning in, you know, embracing um, as independent adults, you know, what we've brought into our lives. And parenting has like very little, it's like, you didn't choose the time your kid wanted to eat. You didn't choose their personality. You didn't choose their approach to potty training. Like, so, so I think getting beyond it was also this, like, I am making a choice. Like, these are my options, whatever they are, whatever I'm making them. This is what I'm weighing between. And this is what I'm standing. And because so much of the dynamic feels like you're in reaction I think that definitely had to be like a soul kind of releasing choice. And then it was like, I can fully move from this point because I can consciously say this, this one was a choice. Like this part was a choice. <laughs> yeah. So Torn Tribe, I think it's a great book. Um, if you're navigating and still struggling with making your choice or feeling isolated, it's a great read to feel connected to a community of women that are actually going through the same thing. Like you will find the one woman that resembles exactly you. Like that's how many different interviews she had and like <laughs> testimonies like written in. Cause I read one woman, I was like, oh my gosh, did she just get into my head or read my journal? I feel exposed, <laughs> but heard all at the same time. <laughs> so it was encouraging. And it actually was empowering to say, okay, yeah, I'm part, I'm partially part of the opt out. Like I opt out of climbing the ladder as fast as everybody else and being reassured that I'm not the only person in the world that has had to make that decision and realize it's not the end all be all. So the other awesome thing about these women's testimonies as they concluded, you did hear like the resolve. And so I feel like reading each chapter brought me closer to my resolve. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, if, if that was happening in my life, like, how would I handle that? Or gratitude, because certain people, I'm like, oh, man. That was rough. That was rough. Yeah, <laughs> that was rough. And, like, it's very different to be a military woman missing my child's birthday versus being in the office for one presentation. Like, this woman's missing months at a time mm -hmm. for such a bigger cause. But still her life her daughter's life or her child's life is a huge cause so how do you reconcile that so if you need to feel heard and feel like other people have walked in your shoes um it's a great read yeah it made me really grateful for the time period that i'm a parent and i'm, I'm a big proponent of like stop putting it all on gender um <laughs> and that the way, you know, and in particular in a time frame where we transition from like so much being on me just because of logistical things and timing to a year where we're like, Omar and I are able to like split some of the things happening and then feeling my reaction to not being the one doing it. Um, thankful that those choices are there, but it definitely is even a whole other layer of seeing myself as like, oh, hey, you complained about that so much. Why is it you don't know what to do with yourself when you're not doing pickup? <laughs> you know, like, or yeah. your mind is on like, hey, guys, give me an update. Send me a pic. It's like, it gets ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But I can definitely say that reflection and saying that there's so much we have in common, right? Like adding those generational torn tribe kind of um, things 
was fulfilling um, to know, hey, I'm not so off the mark. I'm not the feelings I'm having. Definitely others have felt them. And, and, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then for different stages, it kind of gave you suggestions on like new ways to, con you know, to think about it and to move forward. And yeah. More ice cream. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Torn Tribe, my favorite is Baskin and Robbins mint chocolate chip. Just think you never see that. He helps me get yours here. <laughs> yeah, let's keep them open, please. I will die if my ice cream is gone. <laughs> well, I do get upset every time I see uh, donut shops set up and it's not half the store. I'm like, why? Exactly. How is that a thing anymore? <laughs> So what's mending you this week? Yeah, so Torn Tribe, we're going to share our mends, what helps us get through the week. Um, I would say it is this Bible study I'm doing with these women, like connecting one-on-one -on -one with women. Um, and so I've been teaching on like Wednesday nights, but and then out of that spins like people texting me or calling me or trying to connect with me afterwards. And that's been really awesome that whatever I'm teaching is actually applicable. I'm like, oh, people are actually listening. <laughs> that's nice. Um, so that's been mending me. And then the other thing is kind of the to this point of like the podcast. Um I've been doing these stakeholder interviews, which requires me to record myself interviewing people. And of course, I'm not on video, people. I'm anti-video. So I love you. So appreciate this being on video so you can see my face. Um, but it's interesting because I'm like, oh, I've grown. I'm not upset about my voice anymore. Like, I can actually sit here and not cringe for the full hour that I got to listen to myself. I've... Uh, I've grown in acceptance. So that's awesome. It's been mending. How about you? So in theme with our book, um, I'll nerd out a little bit. And in reading the text, it, it kind of cr crisscrossed with me l hearing a podcast about Plato, that highlighted Plato's Republic. And I had, I've never read it. And then there is an article. Um, I can't really remember what her field was, but it was from a journal and mm -hmm. the journalist or writer or English, whatever she was, um, was highlighting how in the Republic, Plato discusses this utopian, this Republic, this utopian city or, or civilization and the weight that is on women. I came into the conversation from this conversation about how you control desire, that it's this chariot with two horses, one that's positive reinforcement, one is negative, the wild one you can't control. And I, all of it was yelling parenting to me. I was like, oh my goodness, yes, I feel like I, I don't know if I'm the chariot, I don't know if I'm the horse, but I know this wild, like rein it in, what I desire, but yet what I have to do definitely resonated. And then when that chapter of the book like pops up and which is what the universe does to me all the time. It's like curly haired girl, you don't get it when you just hear it once you need it to pop up in all these places. So you get the message like this is for you. Um, so as that popped up, I'm definitely going to check out the Republic so I can make my own conclusions. But I think this idea of desire and things that lead to our happiness and our habits always tie into for parenting to me. So I, I, 
recommend The Read, um, recommend The Republic if you want to nerd out like me and get another academic reference from your read. But um, I think it's, again, just the cornerstone of what my parenting has done, which is like dig deeper into myself and really get like what my values are, what I want to stick. Um, and dominating myself in some way at some point by the end of this journey i should be in pretty good shape and have some good habits and really get it together (laughs) beams is gonna be raining in the horses (laughs) (laughs) well torrent tribe we would love to hear from you guys too um what's mending you um if you go and get the book and you read it let us know what you thought about it who resonated what stood out Um, Always a pleasure talking to you guys and always choose grace when you're feeling torn. Choose grace. Choose grace.